Feliz Cinco de Mayo, mis amigos. Me amo John Miller. ASDS. Locked on Mizzou. And that is where my high school Spanish skills end. But this is your destination for partisan Missouri Tigers football and basketball talk three days a week during this seemingly endless shutdown period. But you know what? I do got to remind you guys that today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. And you know, since our last show on Friday, there's been a lot of Missouri news to analyze and break down, including a new commitment for the Missouri football team, Eli Drinkwitz and his staff still out there doing work. Also want to talk about some Missouri hoop scheduling outside of the major breaking news this week. And also, Benjamin Hockman over at the Post-Dispatch had some interesting thoughts on the name, image, and likeness ruling that recommendations, I should say, and how that could affect Mizzou. And of course, one of the major items up for discussion is that Missouri is choosing to travel to a mid, well, would you even call me mid-major program at this point? Maybe a, a low-major program. We're actually going to take a, a road game to this place. But hey, enough about KU football, am I right? <laughs> oh, man, I cracked myself up. But no, seriously, of course, Missouri is going to now play Kansas in football in Lawrence in 2026 and 2032, but also in Columbia in 2025 and 2031. So in five years, I will be 42 freaking years old. That's just terrible. So no Missouri football and KU football in my 30s. Interesting. So just that entire decade wiped out. But of course, I was also jokingly referring to the news that Missouri is apparently going to play in Springfield this year. The Missouri basketball team, that is. Conzo Martin decided to head down to his old stomping grounds. Indeed, Missouri State was Conzo Martin's first head coaching job from 2008 to 2011. And really, the scuttlebutt has been online and among my friends so far. There's one camp that is fine with this, that is happy to play Missouri State. Hey, what the heck? It's a more high-profile, interesting game than, say, Charleston Southern, for instance, there's, there's always a few games on the schedule that just absolutely nobody cares about. But I guess you could say that a lot of Mizzou fans are upset that we're going down to Missouri State because, well, what's the upside? Now, you you have a victory against Missouri State, who, I, again, I kind of threw some manure on there at the beginning. Their program has struggled in recent years and has never been much to write home about. But, of course, a lot of Mizzou fans who are my age will still remember when Missouri State beat the Tigers in Columbia in the late 90s, and boy, that one stung a little bit. So the downside is you go down to Springfield and take an embarrassing loss, and well, frankly, that is a possibility. Despite the fact that Missouri should easily be favored in that game and should easily expect to beat Missouri State, well, it is a road game. Anything can happen, and Obviously, those Springfield cats, those fans down there, the students, they'll be psyched when we show up. They'll have to be. And I get it. I mean, I would prefer that if Missouri would take this type of game when they're a top 20 type team or something like that, where you just think, okay, this will be a nice, fun game, but we're sure as heck not going to lose. 
But, well, I guess I could say that about any season, any scenario, under any opponent. I always wish Missouri was better, right? But, unfortunately, Missouri hasn't been good lately, to say the least, other than the sort of 2018 year where Michael Porter played two games, Jonte Porter led the team, along with Cassius Robertson, all that good stuff. Other than that year, it's been a lot of pain since the 2012-2013 seasons. It really has. And at this point, if you're Missouri, how can you really stick out your chest and act like you're above playing anybody, honestly? And you know what? Maybe a hidden factor, and it's Funny to call the COVID-19 deal a hidden factor at this point because it seems to be all we want to talk about, and for obvious reasons. But you wonder if this road game, along with it seems like Missouri's going to play at Wichita State this year, and on another thing, Utah seems like it's going to make its return back to Columbia this year. Well, from our perspective, from, again, I've talked a little bit about how Missouri has had a revenue crunch the last couple years with the football probation the previous year, not getting that bowl revenue. Well, now this year we're looking at possible, you know, delayed football, shortened football. Who knows what, what what's going to happen? I mean, obviously I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen and neither does anybody in the athletic department. So it actually does make some sense, at least in my opinion, in this climate that hey, maybe we should try and cut some costs and get to a road game, a couple road games that we can just simply drive a bus to and not have to charter a plane. I mean, honestly, just leave that the Mizzou plane. I don't know if they have their own plane or if they just charter one every time. Regardless, you can obviously save a bunch of money by taking a bus instead of flying. And that's something you can do to Springfield. Not a big deal. Now, if you're Utah, on the other hand, you're going to come – all the way from that state to Missouri, I got to imagine you're flying there. But regardless, pretty tough schedule. It's really kind of lining up to be now a more interesting schedule than last year in the non-conference portion of the season. So we'll have a pretty good idea by bragging rights how good this Missouri team's going to be next year. I'd say. Oh yeah, and plus, speaking of Kansas, you've got Kansas on the schedule for the Sprint Center next year as well. So again, really tough schedule. And what's shaping up to be darn near a make-or-break season for Conzo Martin and his staff. And I do want to talk more about this Missouri and Kansas football series that is resuming in a few years. But first, got to tell you guys about Built Bar. Now, if you all know me, you know I like to avoid the grains and the sugars. A few years ago, I lost about 30 pounds doing that same thing. But let's be honest, sometimes just eating meat and veggies, all that good stuff. Eventually, you got to satiate that sweet tooth of yours. So you know what I do? I eat Built Bar because it's a protein bar that frankly tastes like a candy bar with 16 amazing flares, flavors, I should say, half of them nut flavors, half of them nut-free. Well, my personal favorite is the peanut butter brownie. It's got 20 grams of protein, only 170 calories, and a mere 3 grams of sugar and three net carbs. Even a health freak like me can handle that. So just go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on, and you'll get $10 off your first order. Use promo code locked on. Again, that's one word locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. Well, earlier 
when I was kidding around about the Kansas Jayhawks being a mid to low major football program, well, obviously, jokes aren't funny unless there is some element of truth to them. We've all seen the hilarious pictures of the girl knitting among no people at the Kansas football game, right? Lord knows Missouri has had its own attendance problems, but nothing compared to the Kansas football program. They haven't been worth a crap in, what, 10, 11, 12 years now, something like that? I mean, they were practically throwing less miles a parade for going 3-8 and eight last year. So I guess one could argue if we hate Kansas so much, I guess the argument could be, is this helping them more than it's helping us by renewing this football series? Because quite honestly, that team, and by that team I mean Kansas, they need any type of interest, anything to just spark something in that program, which is frankly why they hired Les Miles in the first place. They needed a big-name, big-splash kind of guy. But for me, while it might be true that Kansas is maybe arguably a bigger winner in this deal than Missouri, it still is beneficial to Missouri as well, and therefore obviously worth doing. Now, on one hand, yeah, if you're, gosh, I don't know how old you have to be to remember the 2007 Missouri-Kansas football game, for instance. I mean, I guess if you were 20, you would have been seven then at the time. So basically, if you're under 20 years old, let's say, you have no memory, no real positive, interesting memories of the Missouri-Kansas football rivalry. So for those people, maybe this isn't that big of a deal. But for those of us who are my age and older, this is a huge deal. And frankly, one th- a lot of things have been lost in the move from the Big 12 to the SEC, namely the passion, history, and obviously hatred, especially on the Kansas side. So just trying to bring this back at all, and it'll start on the basketball side this coming winter, I just think it's a good thing, you know? If all we want to do is just watch sports, then watch sports at the highest level. Go ahead and watch the NBA. I promise you it's better basketball than college. We don't watch college basketball because it's the absolute best basketball, but we love it anyway. There's various reasons why we love college basketball, college football. I won't get into it for you. You know what they are. But my point is, in a world where now all of college sports, especially the SEC, the Big 12, the major conferences, all of their games have proliferated so much onto television. And now all of pro sports is on as well. Every Cardinal game is on. Every Royals game. Whatever your local market happens to be, you're now competing with them much more than you have in the past. For instance, when I was a kid, way more people I knew had Missouri season tickets for basketball especially. Now, of course, the the enormous factor here is that, yes, Missouri was way, 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 way better as a kid. So I'm not going to deny that at all. But the reality is, is most of those games weren't televised. If you wanted to see this great Missouri team, you had to go and see them. And as I've pointed out before, even teams like Alabama now, if you're playing a random directional school, if you're playing South Alabama that game is not necessarily drawing as well as it did in the past. Even a team like Kansas, the Kansas basketball program, which seemingly sells out every single game if you watch, well, even they dropped down their lowest level 
of season ticket this year from something like nine hundred and seventy five dollars to five fifty. That's a that's a significant drop and shows the changing of the market a little bit, even at the most blue blood of blue blood programs. Basically, that's a long way of me saying that at a certain point, these types of games, whether it's Missouri against Charleston Southern in basketball in December, or it's Alabama, again, against South Alabama, or whoever Missouri, whatever football championship subdivision team that Missouri plays this following season or the following seasons, eventually people are just going to stop going to those games in larger and larger numbers because they're freaking boring. And sometimes those September games are incredibly hot. I, sometimes people would – listen, I'm a diehard. I'm going to be there every single week. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about people like my mother, frankly, who love. Lo- she loves to go to the game too, but she's also not real big on getting rained on anymore. She's not real big on getting a, a, a sunburn in 95-degree weather. So if you're going to coax her into the stands, she's gonna, you've got a lot better chance with Kansas – than you do against Western Kansas A&M, for instance, to pick a fake team. So as somebody who has raised some alarm bells, set off some alarm bells about scheduling in college sports and about how eventually we're going to have to schedule more interesting non-conference games or else really risk turning off an even bigger segment of our various fan bases, I can't possibly complain in any way about Missouri signing a game against the Missouri State Bears in Springfield. By the way, we'll probably get at least one, if not two, games in Columbia out of that as well, and especially the Kansas thing. Yeah, I get it. Maybe it doesn't have as much juice nationally as a lot of rivalries. I understand that. And again, if you're under 20, you may not care at all. But it's still better than than playing Pittsburgh State or something. It's just got to be. All right, we'll close it out in the last segment talking about Missouri's latest football recruit and Benjamin Hockman's column about name, image, and likeness. Eli Drinkwitz has now landed his eighth non-binding verbal commitment for the 2021 class, and it's Red Oak, Texas defensive back Darius Jackson. One thing, you know, I wish I could sit here and tell you that I have the same insight on cornerbacks that I do feel like I have on quarterbacks and other positions, but really the thing that stands out to me about this is we've now gone back into Texas, it feels like. Well, you'll you'll probably remember cornerback from Texas in this previous recruiting class, Ennis Rakestraw, caused Eli Drinkwitz to lose his mind in a viral video after Ennis revealed that he picked Missouri over the University of Texas, the University of Alabama, among others. And I'll just say it's good to see. It seems like Eli is maybe focusing his energies more on Texas. Because you know what? In the move to the Big 12, I'm sorry, to the move to the SEC from the Big 12, it sure seemed like Gary Pinkle and his staff shifted their focus from the -the under-the-radar guys in Texas to into Florida because of, obviously, the regional ramifications involving our conference move. Now, while at the time that certainly made some logical sense, I'd always questioned that a little bit. You know, it's not as though every guy 
in Texas dreams about playing in the Big 12. Now, at some point or another, yeah, these guys, a lot of them dream, like Chase Daniel did famously, dreamed about playing for the Texas Longhorns. But I'll tell you, the SEC cachet goes a long way, in my opinion. And I really think, especially with the benefit of hindsight, that was a mistake by Gary Pinkle and his staff to shift out of Texas. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, as they say. And it just seems like, the amount of work and just transitional costs that it took building up new relationships and maybe abandoning is too strong of a word, but neglecting maybe some old relationships in Texas. It doesn't seem like that did Missouri any favors because obviously Missouri had some great seasons early in the SEC 2013, 2014, but you know, they didn't, they weren't able to capitalize on those classes with as good a recruiting classes as you would expect. So, you know what? I, I'm viewing this as a positive, just to get another kid from Texas, honestly. I, I really believe that. Maybe this is just a one-off, but it seems to me that there's a bit of a shift here because I haven't seen any Florida kids sign. I don't know. We'll see what happens in the future. And finally, on that Benjamin Hockman column in the Post-Dispatch, basically Benjamin was saying that he believes that the Name, image, and likeness recommendations put out by the NCAA, essentially allowing athletes to profit off their, again, their name, image, and likeness. Essentially, hey, hi, I'm Michael Porter Jr. for Columbia Hyundai, that kind of stuff. That would now be legal. Obviously, previously, that was not legal under NCAA rules. And, you know, to that Michael Porter example I just kind of popped off the top of my head here, that was kind of what Benjamin was talking about. His point is this will – he thinks this could actually be a beneficial thing for programs like Missouri and even St. Louis University, SLU. And the reasoning for that is he actually used a similar example. He was using Jason Tatum as an example, for, actually from SLU's perspective. He's saying, well, wouldn't a program like SLU have a million times – better shot at landing somebody like Jason Tatum than without any sort of advantages like that, with any differences in local advertising, local knowledge of a high school player, that type of thing. Basically, what if Bomberito, this was his example, the Audi dealership, I believe, in St. Louis, well, what if they just you know, sponsored Jason Tatum. Tatum would come on and say, hey, I'm Jason Tatum. I play for SLU, and when anytime I need a new car, I get one from Bomberito. And maybe they give him an Audi to drive around. Would that be the worst thing in the world? And then from Missouri's perspective, he used a similar example. What if there'd been a history of people in Columbia, Columbia businesses, sort of attracting guys like Cameron Fletcher and using them, putting them out in front as faces of their business or just you know, guys to give the old thumbs up to or be social media influencers. Who knows? There's a million different ways to advertise these days. But frankly, I can see Benjamin's point because the deal is when you try to make everything equal, whether it's the salary cap in football, when it comes to just player compensation, that's essentially what this is, right? Well, essentially, players get compensated in college, not with money, but with scholarships, Full rides. Well, if they're all equal, if you all get a football scholarship everywhere, then essentially the draw is only the school at that point. 
So obviously SLU's basketball program, Missouri's basketball program, has nothing on Duke's basketball program historically. But if you have some different variables here, then maybe these types of schools can get some of the bigger names, especially if they're dispersed away from Tobacco Road in North Carolina. I just think we've seen, even at the pro level, you've seen, for instance, what, the last 20 years, the Patriots win that division every single year, and the Jets, the Bills, and the Dolphins are basically terrible every single year, with the occasional exception. And that basically comes down to coaching and quarterbacks, right? You can make the salary cap equal, but there's only one Tom Brady. There's only one Bill Belichick. There's only one Patrick Mahomes. And obviously college football, even more of an equality-based thing. And, well, what have we seen for the last 50 to 100 years? Guess what? Basically the Blue Bloods are, have always been the Blue Bloods. It's been Oklahoma, Texas, Penn State, USC. I mean, it's the same teams, Alabama. It's the same teams year after year after year. Sure, there's some blips here and there, but for the most part, You'll see a Clemson climb up eventually. You might see a Nebraska climb down. But for the most part, for decades on end, the best teams are the best teams. I just think Benjamin Hockman makes an interesting point here, and maybe we'll see a little bit more of a different type of distribution, maybe to some unusual non-blue blood schools will some of these blue chip players actually sign. So that'll do it for this episode of Locked on Mizzou. Thanks for joining me, and also be sure and check out Blake Lavelle's Locked on the SEC. You can subscribe to both of our shows on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify. So, until next time, I'm John Miller, and this has been Locked on Mizzou. Mizzou.